come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast, where a movie review podcast comes your way every Saturday, whether you're ready for it or not. Hey, do us a favor. Wherever you found us, go over and hit that like or subscribe button. Leave us a review. All of that stuff helps us get found by other like-minded folks like you. And we'd appreciate it. These are the Internet Radio Superstars. Holly, Michaela, Sean. And I'm Colin. And tonight we watched the movie that was chosen by. Holly. Holly, what did we watch tonight? Tonight we watched a movie called Broken Arrow. Not the 1950s one. Not, we didn't watch the Rod Stewart song or whatever you were playing. We didn't playing watch there. the music video by Rod Stewart either. No. Okay. <laughs> no, a this classic, is classic, really. Which one? The song or the movie? Broken well, Arrow. In my opinion. Okay. Equally. What year was this movie made? This when movie was, was ni- made in 1996. And it was directed by John Woo. And how do we know John Woo? We know John Woo from um, mainly Paycheck and Hard Target. Get the fuck. Mainly Paycheck <laughs> and Hard Target. Go on, no. No. Possibly Paycheck. Possibly Paycheck. You shut your mouth. As Hallie trolls us. Uh, this, this man has a has a Dove store, and that's what John Lou has. Man, I, you know, I still haven't seen Paycheck. Is that any good? What? <laughs> no, it's no. not. It's horrible. Felt, that's the first movie I fell asleep in. Yeah, Got it. in the yeah, theater, you're I, like, all right, that's the Ben Affleck. Then, yeah, is yeah. it him and Uma Thurman? Friends, we were sitting in like the second row, and I was out in the first like eight minutes. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, I mean, I remember, are, are you guys, well, I don't know. I mean, do you remember the, the John Woo phenomenon of like the, uh, the early 1990s? Yeah. Hard boiled and, and the killer yeah, yeah. hard boiled mission impossible Two. No, 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 no. The phenomenon of John Woo was the, all he was like, um, cause I think at that point the killer became like one of the, the like the highest grossing movie ever re- uh, that came out of Hong Kong next to like enter the dragon or something at that point in time. I mean, John Woo was the epitome of cool action cinema. This was, you know, I mean, when we were coming out of the, uh, like late eighties action, we got Hong Kong action cinema and the name on that was John Woo. Yeah, and it was primarily sure. from the killer. And then he followed that up with hard boiled. And then somewhere we got, I get to see an older one, which was a better tomorrow. And then there's a better tomorrow too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, were were you guys like around for that, or is this before your time when this was? I mean, it was like the indie age of uh, uh, you know here in movies, and well, then we got. I mean, my- I, it was like at, at this time I was like you know in grade school, so I wasn't getting what was big in the rest of the world. I was getting what was big in America, which was Face Off and and Broken Arrow. You know, I, I, so I didn't get the phenomenon that that was John Woo at the time. So I was too young. Have you seen any of the of his Hong Kong stuff? I mean, I recognize like stills from it, so I recognize the imagery, but I haven't actually watched any of it now. Okay, well, you might want to go I've back seen, and um, check those out because. Oh, sorry. I've seen like his later kind of stuff, like Red Cliff. Oh, you've seen that? How's that? Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's really long. It's two parts, you know. But yeah, that's like his good. epic thing. He went back to Hong Kong or back to to. Was that a Chinese Chinese movie that he did there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like his last couple have been. Uh, 
uh, Chinese. He like left Hollywood, went back mm-hmm. home. Um, Dude has so many credits. My God. Yeah, he does. Yeah, because he started with. Um, I think he started with, with, as everybody does probably in the Hong Kong film industry, started with the uh, Shaw Brothers and, uh, you know, doing movies with Jackie Chan as choreographer and stuff like that. But I think, I think, I think, I'm not positive, but I think A Better Tomorrow was his first, uh, like, sole directorial movie. And it was, you know, a, uh, like, um, Yakuza movie. Kind of, well, it wouldn't be the Yakuza, that's Japanese. It was a gangster, a Hong Kong gangster movie, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that one also, somebody's going to have to correct me if I'm wrong. I know, obviously, Chow Yun-Fat became synonymous with, it was like John Woo, Chow Yun-Fat, right? You know, the actor. Yeah. Uh, I think they were both in that in that movie. Um, and Chow Yun-Fat became like, you know, the coolest guy on the fucking planet, you know, yeah. back at that time. There's a lot of John Woo always, to me, seemed to mean... Uh, slow motion shootouts. The like, bullet ballet. Yeah. Uh, the two gun, two gun mambo or whatever. Like uh, your guy <laughs> yeah. would always have two guns jumping backwards, shooting them at somebody else who was also jumping back. I mean, it was you know very dynamic yep. cinema. There was nothing really like that in uh, in what American cinema was was doing. American action movies at the time were doing. So of course that means we wanted to bring them over here. And I was kind of surprised that his first movie was going to be a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie of all fucking things. (laughs) And it was a hard target. I mean, that doesn't really surprise me because, I mean, as close-minded as American cinema can be, it's like, oh, let's bring this really great Hong Kong filmmaker over and let him do a a martial arts movie because that's what he should do. You know, they don't give him something bigger. They give him a Van Damme movie. Which is weird because he really didn't do martial, you know, I mean, he had experience with them, but he got famous for like gun movies, you know? Right, yeah. yeah. But that's not how Americans see things usually. Well, that was like, I think Sam Raimi had something to do with that movie, maybe as like a producer or something, or Robert Tappert did, Sam Raimi's producing buddy. But I heard that um, the American studio system and the way that it, it, it wanted, you know, the movie to come out was very different than what John Woo wanted. So, like, they cut the hell out of it and made like, an, you know, here's how it will it would appeal to American audiences. And of course, you know, I don't think he was English speaking uh, strongly at that point in time. And so that as yeah. he was getting kind of acclimated to the, the culture, there's a lot of things that he lost the argument on, which I think, you know, as his career went on, he's like, no, 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 no I want to do it, you know, a certain way and have yeah, this that's, actually that's done. Definitely what happened in the case of this movie, this movie was good. Was supposed, and his cut was two hours long and the studio made him cut like 15 minutes out of it, which had a lot of character development and a lot of, uh, a lot more violence, a lot more effects. Um, so this is still in the era of him being um, kind of censored by the studio. I can see why they would. This is still a pretty lengthy movie. even. It with is. It's, it's an hour and 48 minutes. So it's still a long movie. Well, John Woo usually deals in, I mean, there's like, well, I don't know. I don't want to say this, you know, actually I was missing the dove shot. That was also the thing that we had with uh, John Woo, right? Doves. There was always doves being released. Oh yeah. There's There's some, no, doves. <laughs> no doves in this one. Not, not like we get in face off where it's just like, but we had butterflies. opens a door and it's like right behind him. Yeah. I think the butterflies took the dove's place. Yeah, there were yeah. birds in this. And there was there was he was uh he was doing these nature shots 
butterflies <laughs> and a deer. Yeah. Which I think uh, is supposed to, you know, nature out of balance and all that kind of, uh, uh, I mean, that goes to like, I guess I was going to say an Eastern philosophy, but he's a Christian. So, you know, <laughs> he's got a, uh, yeah. um, the, um, there wasn't like a whole lot of uh, slow motion in this either, but it, usually his movies seem to revolve around two guys, right? And uh, they're both in competition, uh, both on opposite sides of the law or a moral line um, that are competing with each other to find out who's the best. I mean, either that's explicitly stated or we get the idea that that's going on through a lot of his movies. That's also yeah. taking place here. But this movie... I don't know, was it written for John Woo, or um, did he just get it as an assignment? Um, I That I'm not entirely sure. Um, I don't know if it was specifically written for him, um, but it was specifically written after the phenomenon of speed, because this is a Graham Yost-written movie. And they were just like, give us more of what you gave us in speed. And that's how we, that's how we got this story. And speed um, would so have been 94? Speed was 94 and this was 96. Okay. Yeah. So they, they were like, okay, Speed did amazing. Everyone loved it. We need more of that. And that's where this kind of came from, um, which is why, like, on, if you watch, I watched, I watched Speed just a few days ago, actually. And watching this, I was like, okay, this has a lot of Speed vibes for sure. And I never really made that connection, but it's probably because I haven't seen this in like 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Let me ask you guys something, because this is, um, the action movie is not really my favorite genre. I always kind of, I mean, I, I enjoy them and I watch a lot of them, but I haven't really gone like, you know, I mean, I, I guess I'd never be Just like sticking with Chuck Norris, Colin. The American action film is, you know, that's like the greatest genre in the world. But when is, what is there like a golden age of the American action movie? No, I think there's uh, I figure I think we figure out different ways to do it over the years, and so there's I think there's multiple golden ages of the action movie. Is there an action movie before like Die Hard, nineteen eighty? No. <laughs> well, it depends on what you would consider action. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not uh, not like not like this. Not no. like like you're saying. Not like the prototypical American action movie. There'd be like a. a a primary, uh, like an action movie prior to like 1980, would be, um, you know, I don't know. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a car chase at some point. Bullet, yeah, right? But person, first thing that comes to my mind is like Bullet. Yeah, would yeah. be like an action movie before 1980. Yeah. So it's a cop drama with an, uh, the chase scene, you know, in the middle it's of like, it. Somewhere. Yeah, like, or like it's, a cop drama with suspense and and car chase. Yeah. Yeah, or Gator, where there's chases through the bayou, and at the end of it, there's people punching each other. And I suppose, you know, maybe if we're not considering, uh, you know, Hong Kong cinema, uh, yeah, martial arts movies, which were, I guess, designed, those are physical action movies. Yeah, that's a different action. But I think that First Blood, this is what I'm coming back to. First Blood was like <laughs> the first movie that I saw that was basically from the get-go to the end was like, we are you know, uh, racing toward the, well, you had road warrior right around that time. Right. Uh, yeah. Mad Max before that, but that's not really even an action movie. So, um, so then the, the action movie kind of evolves, but in the, there's like this sweet spot in there somewhere, which I think this is in the middle of that. Cause do you see movies like broken arrow now? Yes. It's the fast and the furious movies. Just those. 
But it seemed like I mean, those are the biggest budget, most successful action movies, maybe of all time. Really? Well, financially successful, you're saying. Yeah. When they keep cranking them out, they're on like what, number nine or something like that now? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's impossible. um, As far as like. Maybe well, a uh, smaller version of that um, guy yeah, and, we, and we still get we still get these like um, these like military based uh, dramatic movies. There, um, there was that Chris Hemsworth one that just came out on was it Netflix or Prime recently? Oh yeah, uh, directed, what was it? I think it's Extraction. Yes, that something like that I think is comparable to. I've um, never even heard of this movie. Yeah, it's uh, directed by the. Um, that's the fucking Marvel Brothers. Oh, uh, the Ru- Russos? The Russos. The Russo Brothers, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't watched it, but that to me, that's immediately what I think of, so is that kind of movie. Do you know the budget on Broken Arrow? I do. The budget was $50 million. Okay, so it's like, wow. yeah, it's one of those mid-range action movies where now it's like everything's $100 million. Uh, yeah, yeah that's minimum. 1996, 50 million. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, that's a lot of money in 96. That'd be what, like a 70 million maybe now or something like that? I don't know. From 96, that's, 14 that's, years? Yeah, but they didn't make $150 million movies in 1996 like they do now. Uh, oh, yeah, because um, I think, um, when was... Um, uh, uh, Independence Titanic. Day was like the first movie to pass $100 million. Was that Titanic? Titanic, yeah. That was, what, 98? Yeah, that was the... Right, that was over $100 million. And that was dollars. like a big deal that it cost that much to make. It was a big moment in time, yeah. because yeah, they'd yeah. run right up to the edge, but that was the first one to go over $100 million. It's like a movie about a boat. What are you doing? It's not, you know, The Matrix. Oh, um, it's so much more than a boat, Colin. It's a love story. <laughs> a love boat. To bring the money back. Okay, so uh, Broken Arrow, then... Um, uh, who who stars in this movie? Stars in this movie, the ultimate heroes in 1996. We have John Travolta and Christian Slater. Come on, powerhouse. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was Christian Slater doing at this time? You was... know, I have a potentially unpopular opinion. I don't think Christian Slater's a big deal. <laughs> I've never really gotten the hype with him. I wouldn't. Ne- I, I mean, I kind of agree. I don't. Uh, I, I like him, but like he's not the draw for any. Right. Go, oh, Christian Slater's in it. I should go see that. No, he's perfectly passable, but yeah, he's nothing to write home about. Like, I mean, it's all been downhill since Cuffs. Let's just be honest. <laughs> but he was a bigger deal, I think, in those earlier movies, like uh, Pump Up the Volume and Heather's. You know, was a big splash and stuff like that before he moved into like, no, you're going to go to Hollywood and be an action hero. Although true romance is a really fucking good movie and he's good. in Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, so John Travolta is now several years into his resurgence after Quentin Tarantino saved him from not one, not two, but three. Look who's talking movies. Colin, you say that those movies made a fuck ton of money. 
Yeah, they did. That first one made $300 million. Everyone likes to talk about early 90s Travolta being in the dumpster, but they made three of those movies, and the first one made $300 million. He yeah. was doing just fine. And I will be the first to admit, I watched the shit out of one and two when I was a kid. I watched all three of them constantly as a kid. That's yeah, the, me too. That you watch when you're a kid. Like, yeah. I loved those movies. The third There's, one, though, even, even as a kid, I realized how shit the third one was. Right. But there's two I watched them all the time. They're on, on TV talk- constantly, even still. Yeah, you, you, you talk about like this. We have multiple golden ages of action movies. I think we have multiple golden ages of talking baby movies. <laughs> I'll, I'll, sure. bet, I'll bet anything on it. They keep coming back. Well, no, I was going for I, I, this is my new project: finding the gold, the golden age of uh, of action movies, the silver age, and all that other stuff. I don't know. Actually, you I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I actually think the early 2000s are worse for Travolta than the early 90s. Yeah, way worse. That's probably fair. Like Wild Hogs, Old Dogs era. That's real. That's that's the lowest of the low. I think where where you can uh, tell that he's wearing a wig. Like once we got into that territory, and we're like the jokes are just like gay panic. Yeah, like that's that's like the lowest of the low. Well, he was at one point. Like I was gonna say, it's it's shit that like white conservative people like my parents think is funny. Mm -hmm. He was. like at one point considered like, you know, I mean, post um, Saturday Night Fever, you know, I mean, you had like Urban Cowboy and uh, what was, um, well, they were staying, staying alive. I mean, let's yeah. not forget. Wasn't Stay he in, uh, huh? Well, stay tuned for that. We'll watch it eventually. Uh, um, it's terrible, man. Wasn't he also in um, Perfect with Jamie Lee Curtis? Wasn't yep. that? Yeah. And, oh yeah, uh, that's no, another potential. Stay tuned. Wonderful gifts. <laughs> yeah, but blowout, blowout's the one you wanted. The Brian De Palma movie. That was that's uh, a great movie. Yeah. Um, so along comes John Travolta in his career upswing, that uh, new wind in his sails, and so then he's just in everything, right? Because it's it. I, I like the fact that he and Nicolas Cage eventually ended up in Face Off because it seemed like Nicolas Cage experienced a similar. Uh, career resurgence and they're both kind of in the same place now you know they're like yeah, the con- they two con- si- they have s- very similar uh career trajectories very similar yeah well yeah they switched bodies so why you know why wouldn't <laughs> why, why wouldn't it be kind of similar in a john woo movie yeah yeah, because how many times did travolta end up working with john woo was it just the, the two times in in broken arrow and face off uh, I think so. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, eventually after uh, Mission Impossible Two, it seems like um, uh, John Woo did like Wind Talkers. Wind Talkers. Like, yeah. Who, what action dude does Wind Talkers? Because everybody had to do their World War Two movie or sorry, yeah, that was World War Two, and then um, and then paycheck, you know, and then and then out. Because <laughs> it seems like the Hollywood uh, process somehow, maybe through the editing, I don't know, like bleached the character out of John Woo. The stuff that you loved him for when he was making Hong Kong cinema was gone out of it. You, you couldn't tell the style. Yeah. And I think he made the worst Mission Impossible movie, that Mission Impossible 2. I feel, like yeah. that's just, I feel like that's just Hollywood eating people alive. Yeah. Yeah. Which, they, which it does. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least he had somewhere to go back to and still continue to make movies. And like Michaela was saying, I think uh, Red Cliff is regarded as like a, you know, I mean, uh, uh, it was a sizable hit, 
you know, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, it was a big deal. The follow-up that he did, I don't think was. And so then it's like, well, you know, where where is John Woo now? But um, uh, so Broken Arrow, it turns out, is a phrase that who knows? I'm assuming that Grand Yost, like, researched the shit out of this. And he knows what he's talking about. What is a Broken Arrow? <laughs> he just made it up, you're saying? Man, yeah, the movies are lying to me. <laughs> Yeah, in in the movie we're watching, it means uh, basically nuclear weapons that go AWOL, that go missing. Um, I don't know and, what's scarier, the fact that a nuclear weapon is missing or the fact that you ha- it happens so often you have a name for it. That was a trailer moment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Got to explain it in the trailer. Otherwise, they're always going to be like, what the fuck is a broken arrow? There's a lot of people in this movie. That was Frank Wally, right? Who? Uh, yeah. The, the, actual, the actual there is a term for a lost nuclear weapon it's called an empty quiver really <laughs> makes yeah. more sense yeah it makes more sense you're missing your yeah it makes it's oh. like yeah well now that we know what we call the remake oh. but that's why you yeah. know the quiver arrow broken arrow just sounds better like that's true it makes sense yeah but then Coming. you gotta you gotta pay all those rod stewart royalties you know <laughs> um so John Travolta stars as a major test pilot, or he's a pilot, right? Alongside, uh, I'm assuming this is Air Force with uh, Christian Slater. We're introduced mm-hmm. to them in a boxing match because this is going to set up the central dynamic for the movie, which is kind of what I said already. It's like, you know, they both, well, you get the idea, or maybe maybe I just did. I don't know. that the the dynamic here is you've got one guy who's like considers himself and ego is doing this he's the perfect warrior but it's also built born out by the fact that he is as good as he says he is and he has met this other guy who he is kind of like determined that this guy has the goods he's just not trained up good enough yet and so i'm yeah. always kind of like dangling the well what is that thing that you know you're boxing you put your hand out and they have to hit it and you keep on pulling your hand away or whatever the hell uh yeah. it's like i don't think you know how to box Colin. no <laughs> i know i mixed it mixed <laughs> metaphors there um, they're, they're, yeah no you're they're always sparring because he sees potential in him he's like finally i have a worthy adversary he has the potential to best me and i want to be the one to help him to get there because i think to him that's just one more like win for him is that he finally like trains him to beat him but there's also a part of him that like is sure that it'll never happen too like i think it's kind of both yeah, it's weird because, well, that's why you're setting up maybe maybe we can't understand that because we're not psychopaths. Apparently he is because of that one line where, uh, you know, I never killed anybody before. I don't get what the big deal is, you know, after he does. Um, so he's a psychopath, so he's basically like, yeah, I want you to be able to beat me. But I'm but the stakes are like, you know, uh, you're going to I'm going to kill you if you can't. If you're not good enough, you're going to die. Basically. <laughs> and you have to kill me. So we're never going to be buddies. You have to kill me in order to otherwise I'm going to blow up the world. But it's like that. It's that dynamic that we've seen before. Where it's like a it's like a Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty thing where they're like they have a weird relationship where they're almost friends because they have that respect for each other, but they're not. They're enemies. It's like Batman and the Joker. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) They understand two sides of the same coin. This is a John Woo uh, thing. Yeah, that he likes to explore in his movies. Um, Okay, so uh, the the plot to steal the um, 
nuclear missiles, right? Uh, which are flown on a B seventeen or whatever the B. What was it? It was a special. Well, I I don't know what they said in the movie. The actual plane is a B three stealth bomber. Okay, there you go. My dad makes parts for those. Really? Yeah. My brother was really into planes when we were kids, so I remember like knowing all about this shit when this movie came out. I was like, I know that plane. There was a lot of times as a kid. Do you remember like take your daughter to work day? Oh yeah. There was a lot of times I couldn't go because my dad was working on government projects and they wouldn't let people in. Oh. Yeah, I couldn't go because my dad was a fireman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They frowned upon that. Yeah. Oh, uh, you didn't get to do that cool movie thing, Michaela, where uh, the scientist brings in the kid for the day and they solve like the big problem by right? hitting a hammer and it falls oh, on the bench and all that. You didn't get to do that? Damn. You, no, I wish. It was, you, accidentally, it was, you, you accidentally hit the big red button for everything, <laughs> everything to self-destruct. <laughs> Sean, I see all the blinking light science. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's just looking around like, those haven't gone off before. What do they mean? I don't know. They're not labeled. <laughs> I like the way they just know what it means. They know. Yeah, that one, smart. Yeah, that one, you know they're smart. Yeah. Because they know what the blank blinking light means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, well, the, uh, of course, Travolta's character double crosses his buddy, uh, Christian Slater and ejects him from the plane, uh, during a little tense fight scene as they're wrestling for control of the gun. And, um, they end up, uh, well, the plane ends up crashing. The payload is dropped and both guys get out. Of course, uh, um, Slater is ejected into the, this is the Utah desert, right? Yeah. Yes. And he meets up with a spunky park ranger, and this is uh, Samantha Mathis. Samantha Mathis, yes. Who we would Wait, know I was, from. I was going to ask, is she Mario on, Brothers. She has to be on the wall. Is she on the wall? Because we did Mario Brothers. She is? Yeah. yeah. Well, she was also in Buried. She was the voice of uh, Ryan Reynolds' wife. That's right. Ah. Yeah. Uh, yep. So she is on the wall. Actually, well, fuck. Uh, isn't uh, Travolta? Travolta is on the wall. Right, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. Travolta was in uh, the Devil's Reign and uh, the Fanatic, which we did. Right. So welcome aboard, sir. Well, has Face Off been done before? We haven't done Face Off. What? No. I don't steer. We've we've generally steered away from the big budget action movies. We go for like the lower budget, goofier ones. But yeah, but the premise of that movie is a low budget movie premise. Of course, I say that, but we did do Rambo three. We also did Broken Arrow. We also did RoboCop, and that of course puts Clarence Boddicker himself, Kurtwood Smith, also on the nice. Saturday Night Freak Show wall Kurt of fame. Wood. Yeah, so there you go. Wow, this movie uh, put uh, well. There's also a guy named Gary Epper who played Miller in Broken Arrow. This is courtesy of MF Mad, the keeper of the Saturday Night Freak Show Wall of Fame, uh, who says he was in um, Yeah. Uh, he was in Captain America, Hook and Broken Arrow, but he's on the, the hall, the hallway, not the wall. The Wall of Fame, we got three inductees right. for off this one movie, so good pick. Damn. Uh, Holly. Thank you. What about Bob? Hold on. Uh, uh, Bob Gunton? Yeah, that's Pritchett. How many have we had? He seems to like show up and shit. Well, he would be the warden from the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Uh, so you know this guy. You've seen him a bunch of times. Uh, Dead Silence he was in. We haven't done that either. Um, yeah. I don't think we've done in Bob enough Bob Gunton movies. Everybody in this movie is like a recognizable face. This is what I kind of miss about the 90s era uh, action movie. 
um, yeah. because it goes deep. I mean, like all the, the bit players are like, hey, that's the dude from uh, uh, not Seinfeld's boss, but um, <laughs> the guy from Lord of Illusions and Basic Instinct and all that. Uh, yeah. He's in there. I'm dropping his name, but uh, yeah, just like everybody, Delroy Lindo's in it. Uh, Frank Wally, as we said, um, Kerwood Smith, all the uh, the bit players. Yeah, we just need uh, Howie what's his Long, name? Al Al Howie. Long, the 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 Chinese terrorist from every action movie of the 1980s. I know. <laughs> if yeah. only if only he'd shown up. Yeah. Do we ever establish where his last movie was? Because he was in everything. I'm, I think he's on the right wall. Here. I yeah. mean, he's got to be. Uh, like oh, the, his the, last movie was called Awesome Asian Bad Guys. <laughs> in, in 2014, so. Oh, wow. I mean, he, that's peak, right? Mm. <laughs> well, Travolta gets to act goofy and weird in this movie. That's the uh, his appeal, I assume, for being in this, right? He's yeah, just gonna- I, remember, I remember the draw for this movie when I saw trailers. I was just amazed because it was the first time I'd ever seen Travolta playing a bad guy. And I was like, yeah. I have to experience this movie. I have to. And I saw it in the drive-in, actually, which was awesome. Nice. Yeah, it was a good drive-in movie. Give me some of his best lines. Baby Coop. <laughs> said, God damn, what a rush. <laughs> that one's my personal favorite. And also a couple really good uses of fuck. Yeah, he's got a good, he yells fuck real well. Yeah, Will you please really well. not shoot at the thermonuclear weapons? And uh, what was the or other? When, when he like breaks the guy's throat, he's like, hush, mm-hmm. hush, hush. hush. <laughs> he smokes a cigarette all weird. He says crazy shit. This is what he's your doing, brain it's, pressing against your skull feels like. What was that line? You know, he's like, he's like your brain presses against your skull and it feels like this. <laughs> <laughs> he's always in turtlenecks, even in the desert. Yeah. So there's, so there's a fun uh, tidbit about that. Um, <laughs> the, uh, no, there is. A turtleneck tidbit. <laughs> the, the U.S. military demanded that after Travolta is declared a traitor, that he not wear his uniform any longer, which is why he instantly changes his clothes. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, and what's more evil than a turtleneck? I mean, that's true. <laughs> Not much. This is it one does feel like when you're wearing a turtleneck like that, you should be stroking like a cat while you're yeah. explaining <laughs> your evil plan, you know? Or yeah, or have a little mic and talking to a large audience about computers. Either way, <laughs> that too. I mean, he was a different type of evil. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, it becomes up to uh, um, Christian Slater and Samantha Mathis. Samantha Mathis, by the way trivia about her you know she's the president of the uh, sag afra as afka after whatever after after a union you know really oh yeah her mom is famous to me it's bb bb besh and she was uh dr carol marcus in star trek 2 the wrath of khan i hope Every time you say that title, when you're just generally talking, <laughs> someone you you scream the last part. I, think I like that, to think that he says that when you're alone. I had three wishes, one of them would be to you have to do that. Yeah, every and time. That Endlessly one, entertaining. That would be the wish that would make the monkey's paw curl up, man. <laughs> yeah, just, uh. 
Well, they have to, uh, they of course, uh, meet under uh, 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 tense circumstances. Everybody's pointing guns at each other. We get one of those John Woo scenes where she's got the gun pointed at his, or no, he's got the gun pointed at her head and she's got the knife at his throat. Very tense. That, yes. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that's a John Woo moment also, I suppose, right? Yes. That happens. Always. There's always a lot of standoffs going on. What's your favorite action scene in this movie? Um, I mean, I like the nuke when the nuke blows up. Yeah, that was a good one. This is a lot of little good little moments right there. I do like Christian Slater shooting down the helicopter. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. He uses and a I gun just, like, to... the whole like the last like the last whole ten minutes of this movie is a pretty decent sequence of a lot of explosions. Train fight. Yeah, train fight. Well, it has actually, a kind of a, there's like an over-the-topness to it, which uh, kind of helps it out because the it adds this energy, kind of an excitement to the, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, the bad guy gets, you know, blown out the back of the uh, train car. He gets to see the, the, the missile coming at him. Uh, stands up and close up to meet it, like, and has a, like, smiling, gets punched by the thing out the back of the, the train car into the fire explosion. Body parts go, well, at least I saw his body, you know, you got to keep that's how on you want your bad guy to go out. That's yeah. You know, that's how it should be done. But a lot there's of the fight scenes smiling. were done cool like that too, where, you know, there's yeah. people swinging off at things and there, as I say, there's a lot of really, um, there's a lot of really great, um, uh, there's a lot of really like venues for for this movie. We've got like on the helicopter, we've got on a plane, we've got on a train. Like there's just a lot of really great like action um, uh, scenery, you know. Which I, I I don't know. I like mixing it up. I like that there's a little bit of everything. I think it gives a good dynamic. And it's I really like a lot of good set pieces. And the mine, yes, that was the other one. I was like, what's the other one? It's it's a mine, yeah. Um, and Christian Slater and Samantha Mathis actually did most of. I'm going to say most for, for 90s. I don't know what most of 90s means, but most of their stunts, which I appreciated. That was actually her, like, hanging off the train. Like, they did a lot of their own shit, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, this John Woo loves to see people, like, swing around doorways, doesn't he? Yeah. It looks he likes cool. movement. He likes movement in the action. Yeah. Yeah. Usually slowed down, which I'm surprised they didn't do, like, the slow motion cuts on some of that stuff. But uh, Zack Snyder, of course, would just... Uh, make a career out of doing that later on you know it's interesting to me watching this movie the um relative because i think like the next big guy in the action genre was like michael bay for better or worse that you know up the tempo of the shots and i guess that's what felt actually kind of different to me watching this was how much the pace was controlled by like his shots actually did go on long enough so you could see what was happening you know yes he has it's, it's his shots are much more um it's very different they're more extended than what would be normal in today's shooting and editing from most major action directors yeah i agree I, yeah i will say i appreciate about this movie that you can see what's happening during every action sequence it's not like the shape yeah. of cam like we're not confident in what we're doing so we're gonna hide it by just doing quick cuts and moving the camera all crazy mm-hmm. you can see every bit of action that happens in this movie yeah the the only time that i i thought to myself that i would have appreciated if it was more like the quick cuts maybe a little more like like how we get with James Bond movies now was 
um, the scene when they're fighting in the cockpit and they're like strapped to their chairs, like fighting each other. I was like, it looked a little lethargic. I think if it was made now, it'd be a lot quicker and a lot more like martial arty, I guess. I yeah. don't know. Because it, it was like, like I said, it was a little lethargic. But other than that, like, I really appreciated how you could actually see what was happening in the fight scenes. Yeah. The faces Travolta was making in that scene were ridiculous. So great. <laughs> yeah, he has, like, a pretty good, like, villain face because it's all wide eyes and teeth, you know? Yeah. Um, and that strong jaw. Yeah, he's, like, yes. he's like borderline snarling <laughs> in this movie. Like, he doesn't make the noise, but he's, like, borderline snarling. He's got a good villain head. Yeah. He does. Yeah, it's a very square head. He's uh so his plan is basically uh his or his motivation is that he has been overlooked for uh promotion, right? To colonel. Relatable. Which we haven't <laughs> but they haven't I get it. they haven't explicitly <laughs> said we're and we're very sorry for, sorry for that sergeant. Um but in his uh in his case it's like did they pass him over because he would fail the psych exam? I mean, he's, he comes Probably. off. He comes off like a normal guy at the beginning, you know. It's like, yeah, okay, you know, he's got his uh, heart in the right place and all this. But it's like, no, he yeah. plans to steal the the missiles and blackmail the American government in order to get rich. And he's recruited like a bunch of his. He's staffed because I, I actually kind of did like that uh, plot dynamic that he's using the funding from the Bob Gunton character. But he's actually staffed all the people that he's using are, like, people that he knows. And so eventually he's just like, I'm taking over this operation. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually something that we're doing. And you don't really count at all. <laughs> kind of like Bane, right? Bane did that. Bane. Because you gave me this money, you think you have power over me? Um <laughs> So Christian Slater and Samantha Mathis have to track across the desert and try to stop this. There's several car chases. There's uh, helicopter chases. They have to come to trust each other. Um, they're in, they end up going to this mine because uh, part of the uh, plot that Travolta has engineered is that he's going to detonate a nuclear weapon. Yeah, he's got to prove he's serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's uh what's uh, how's this all going to take place? What's he what's he got going on here? So basically, he has found an abandoned copper mine, and his intent is to um, blow the mine to show that he's serious because he obviously he stole two bombs. So one is he intends to blow it up, and the other one he's going to threaten to blow up a major city with it if he doesn't get his money. And so, you know, Slater, of course, gets there first, right? Because there's some daring do in between a couple of Humvees and uh, rigged explosives being thrown, which are basically like a gas can with a a flare strap to it, blowing stuff up. Um, Love it. He gets there first. And then so then there becomes like a lot of uh, dialogue between uh, Travolta and Slater on the CB radios. Um where they all like everybody through this movie, the 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 dialogue I thought was uh, well, I mean not not bad to be priceless, um, but just kind of like on the nose, you know, like I am a military officer. You have to listen to me. I understand why we're doing that. You have to take the cover off and cut this wire and do this thing. You know, they're explaining. Like they always have a character there so they can explain what the hell they're doing, why everything works <laughs> the way that it does, and then. Yeah. 
Travolta tells Slater like every all of his fucking plan. He's no, monologuing. Why not? Yeah. He's a bad mean, guy. Yeah. It's a very yeah, cartoony yeah. bad guy movie. Yeah, that's a bad guy trope. Is that you give yeah. away your whole plan? That's, yeah, that's like, always existed. I was like, Anne, you're describing like all the great nineties <laughs> action movies. <laughs> the great <laughs> ones. The fun. This ones. is why we're here. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I, I like that at least in this, it follows along with the character that they started in the beginning. Their whole thing it, when they're sparring is he's like almost trying to help him win. He's like, you're watching my hand. You got to watch my arm. You got to watch my shoulder because that's where it's coming from. So it's it's the same thing. He's telling him like, this is my plan. Like we're still sparring. You're, you just have to pay attention. You're just not fighting the way you can fight. Like it's, it's, I like that they're continuing with that. Yeah. They you know? stick with that metaphor. He's doing yeah. the rope dope The what? You know, yeah. all that, all the way through the movie. So that was a pretty good setup. I, yeah, I liked it a lot. I was like, okay, it's taking this nineties trope and making it like, like tolerable. You know, I'm like, okay, this actually makes sense for this character. Yeah. He has a, um, there was a moment that, I mean, it makes no logical sense. Uh, you know, it's like if you were actually trying to pull this goal off that you would tell the guy trying to stop you that, you know, you set the bomb for 30 minutes, but I actually changed that. I changed it to 13 minutes. I'm going to give you 13 minutes. And like, what? Well, like, why would you tell him that? It's because exactly of that thing. He's like playing fair, <laughs> kind yeah. of like, I want to tell you that I changed it and made it harder for you, but at least I'm telling you, I'm not just going to blow it up. I'm going to tell you, you got 13 minutes. I yeah. love that the bomb has a readout on it. That's actually ticking down the time because it's yeah, a, it's a missile, notes. right? Like, no one's going to see that. <laughs> unless, you know, well, that, that's always on there, unless, you know, something like this comes around. Yeah, so someone can program in 13 minutes and it kind of counts down. You're like, oh my God, I only have until. Yeah. Yeah, how are the dudes on that I mean, asteroid going to des- destroying Earth? How are they going to know that they're, you yeah. know, they're going to die? Their bombs going you, off in like five Do you seconds. see a lot of nukes on a regular basis, Colin? Do you know that they all don't have that ticking countdown? It defies logic. I assume Boom! they're not there. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, does a romance blossom between Samantha Mathis and Christian Slater? I don't care. No. I mean, no. Honestly, don't care. They uh, they like to. It's the '90s, so they have to imply that there's like a sexual tension, and then in the end, they kind of allude to that. Oh, there could be something blossoming from all of this, but. Eh. But they nope. barely do it, and I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that's He's why they went that too. way in the uh, it, by this time in the '90s. It was such kind of trope of uh, of action movie. Even though Speed, there's like actual flirtation going on between the two of uh, Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves, which I kind of like that. You know, uh, because it's, it's well written in Speed, it works. Yeah, but it's always the idea, I guess, in action movies that you're throwing people together and they're going through like this. In, in extremely intense emotional uh, yeah. thing together, they just kind of naturally wind up. To, it's always fantastic that they're always these single people. You know, they're always single and in the prime of their lives when they meet. You know, so there's no complications. Yeah, it's never, it's never like two married people, and then this ends up like complicating their entire lives. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody has no. the girlfriend at home and the kid, you know, whatever. It's like, nope, I no. am. This has my, been my job, and this is what I do. And this is what my job, say, what I do. 
All these people are married to their jobs. That's mm-hmm. why. She takes park rangering very seriously. Yeah. She, she knows I about think, the endangered dirt and everything. Yeah. I yeah, she does. She mostly works by herself. And I think when you work by yourself, like your environment is your coworker, you know? Yeah. yeah Cause she's out. In, uh, this is a uh, national park, right? I, I'm not sure which one it's supposed to be, but uh, yeah, miles and miles and miles of uh, maces. I'll bet yep. when nobody else is around, she's doing the Mary Catherine Gallagher thing. She's like, <laughs> but she's doing that. Well, she's in the desert, so we know she's probably a little smelly. <laughs> I mean, probably. It's very hot. Very hot out there. Superstar. Although um, she's freezing on when she comes out of the water, which I was like, aren't you in the desert? Isn't it warm? But what else? That's fine. Water's cold, Holly. Not in the desert. Yes. It was inside a mountain. Hot Springs, man. Well, yeah, because there was the Broken Arrow theme park ride that I'm like, no, nah, Fox owns uh, or Disney owns Fox now. We, we could have this happen where they have to escape through an underground. Um, You're in a minecart. Dream, yeah. It's not even a stream. It's like it's rushing water. They do have that ride. It's it's uh, Thunder Mountain. Okay. Just rebranded the Broken Arrow ride. Yeah. Right. Shove a nuke in there. You can be totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> Out, run the the animatronics of Travolta and Christian Slater. All like, all like Hall of President style. I would yes. love that. Yeah, oh, that says, was- yeah, ain't it cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he just doesn't like, yeah, ain't it cool? Yeah, ain't it cool? Yeah, ain't it cool? You know that uh, that line. God, I want this ride. Disney what hire us. This, this is going in. This is going in something. It's just like, you want to go on the Broken Arrow? <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> I mean, they did it to Twister. Why can't you do it to Broken Arrow? Did they do a Twister uh, run? Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was like a Twister experience. So you like watch like the tornado happen. At, like, it's the a stunt show. It's a stunt show. Yes, thank you. I mean, if they can reverse engineer a Pirates of the Caribbean franchise out of a ride, they can definitely make a ride out of Broken Arrow. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, that line, Ain't It Cool, inspired the website, Ain't It Cool, that, like, infamously ruled the internet from, like, 1990, what, eight through, uh, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's probably still going. I mean, it's still going, but it's not. It's nothing now. Yeah. Um, I never looked at it. I remember when it was a big deal. It was a big deal because they had, like, you know, spies would write in and give uh, reviews of movies that they'd seen at test screenings. That was, like, a brand new. I mean, I was reading it all the time because it was like, holy fuck. (laughs) Um, All inspired by Broken Arrow. There you go. Um, So that's, like, your your midpoint action scene, then, is the the underground detonation of the, uh, the first nuke. Then they load the second nuke on a train, and it's headed to Denver, right? Christian Slater has to figure out that, like, oh, this guy, he's playing the rope-a-dope. He says he's going one way. He's actually going to Denver. So we have to race to Denver in order to stop the nuclear annihilation and kill everybody on the train. How did Howie Long end up in this movie? Was he, like, uh, I mean, was he the sports announcer dude? He he played. He was a football football player. He was a defensive tackle for the Raiders Mm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and his and his part in this was really small. He had like one line, and they liked him so much they extended his his part. Really? Yep. He does look like broke ass Schwarzenegger in this movie. Like yep. from a distance, you're like, wait, is that no? Mm-hmm. Well, you put him in military fatigues, and he's got the crew cut, you know, or whatever the flat yeah. top crew cut yeah. thing. It's like okay, it he looks like the uh, you know a jarhead. So yeah. I mean, it works. Um. 
You know what else? We need to figure out where this originated. Was this a John Woo thing or a Robert Rodriguez thing about this era in uh, action movies? The cool guys running or walking away from the explosion. They're going off behind them. They do flinch in this movie. Somebody, I think it was Robert Rodriguez, did the, we're going to walk away and not even react as the bomb goes off and fills the whole screen with fire behind us. Um, But there are screens full of fire in this movie and people jumping out of the way. Um, Constantly, yes. They end up... Practical, uh, too, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there was a lot of model work in this. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of model work. The trains, the helicopters, yep. It's not entirely obvious, or is it? But there were some times when, like, uh, you know, as the train was going through the tunnel, I'm like, oh, look at the little, like, you know, uh, fake grass. You know, like you see on, like, a model (laughs) railroad that somebody had built up the, you know. Right. After the helicopter crashes into it, you can see, like, oh, tiny train. Yeah. That's cute. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why I was wondering when you were talking about the – stunt work and samantha math is doing it like did they were they able to do digital wire removal at this point in time i'm not sure i'll bet they were because um i mean they could do digital face stuff in titanic when they were doing that movie i gotta imagine they'd be able to erase some wires they have to because i've seen i saw uh christian slayer jump out of a helicopter in a jump that was not gonna make it onto a train and so he had to have been wearing some sort of wiring that that uh, was erased later. Uh, that was that, like that the was first the thing only... they figured out how to do with the digital technology was wire, Probably. wire removal. It's like we have this little thing we got to get rid of. Swipe. <laughs> and that changed action movies forever. <laughs> yes. You could actually have, be wearing harnesses and then we could just digitally erase it later. Yeah. Back in the old days, they would just blow a dude up. And yeah. Hope, yeah, yeah. However, the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> the good old days of stunts. Like, uh-huh. we're going to blow you up. Like yep. a metal storm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's still, it's that Road Warrior one, man. That, that's the fucking, that, that guy's nuts. dead. That guy's fucking dead. Uh, whatever, how many yeah. times he does a you somersault. You can't convince me otherwise. That person is dead. Um, yeah. Well, that barrels us towards the climax of this movie um, where we're going to have to find out who is the superior warrior. Um, yeah, because I guess uh, Samantha Mathis does prove her uh, metal uh, several times she outwits the bad guys, she, you know, because I think at one point uh, Travolta actually says, like, you know, uh, you know, you would take the bullet rather than, um, yeah. you know, he's, he, he tells her, he's like, you have more balls than he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but once she is, uh, well, she escapes from that situation. She's not rescued. She escapes. You know, she does this on her own. She's jumping around all over the place, swinging out of doors, jumping yeah. off things, kicking people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really did like that move when they when uh, Christian Slater shows up in the helicopter and she instantly swings out around by the door. I was like, "That's pretty badass." I love that. Yeah, just to know that, like, oh shit, this is what's going on. I can't get out of here, so he can shoot. You know, you know what the plan yeah. is. Yeah. Just by like, boom, this is what's going on. She's a woman. Well, they're of very aware, very aware action sequences that make sense kind of refreshing yeah like i know where everybody is pretty much the geography of the fighting and the action scenes is pretty good mm-hmm. yeah and there were a couple times he was doing wild stuff with the camera where he would cross the uh 
180 degree line, but he'd show you, you know, I'm going to do it. So when it yeah. wasn't completely uh, disorienting when the camera was over there. Um, oh, yeah. The movie is scored by uh, Hans Zimmer. Um, love the score. Yeah. Are you serious or are you joking right now? I can't tell. No, I, I love the score. Mostly because fun. mostly because a, a, a good chunk of it ends up in Scream 2. Yes. <laughs> as, as Dewey's theme and some other background music but yes i do love that dun 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 love it yeah, i dig it that's great all right then i was less enamored <laughs> Colin's like, i was less enamored you. by this well i do like what hans zimmer has done later on uh but this one it was just like i i sat there for a lot of it thinking that the music didn't fit the movie somehow like he's just playing stuff and i'm like does this actually yeah, fit think, what's happening i think it fits because it's almost it's almost cheeky, which John Travolta's character is. It was very, I'm, very dramatic also. Very dramatic. But yeah, I, I think I more didn't like the sound mixing because it would shoot up really loud at certain points and then go down so quickly. It literally felt like someone fucking with a volume dial constantly. Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I did think that too. There was times on the train where I'm like, maybe it's the mix. I don't know. I had some kind yeah. of concern with the music the whole way through. Although, you know, like I said, Hans Zimmer became like the de facto guy to do your military um, anthems, right? Uh, for a lot of movies. That, was it started with Crimson Tide or something like that? I mean, he did shit before that, you know, and now he's become like, he's the John Williams of our age, I think. Yeah, he you does know? every Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, and everything else. I mean, if it's a big movie, it's like Hans Zimmer is the guy you go to, and all of his um, protégés are doing everything else. They all worked at some uh, studio that he made. I can't remember. It was like Media Ventures or something like that. And I remain convinced. Why do they always sound like shit? Yeah, I know. It's like for for you come out of there learning some of the coolest stuff, and every company sounds like fucking shit. Media Ventures, come on down. Because I've heard other scores that sound like Hans Zimmer scores, and it's like, nope, it wasn't Hans Zimmer. It's like Klaus Badalt or whatever. And you're like, well, yep. and then you look it up, and it's like, oh, he studied with Hans Zimmer. Is that, is that real? Because that's a great bad guy name. Yeah, he yeah. did like all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, which sound uh, like Hans Zimmer movie or Hans yeah, Zimmer yeah. music. I get, I get them Wait, who does who does Bruckheimer movies? Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. I was gonna say, yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you ever like? assume a movie would have a Hans Zimmer though and then you go and you look and it's like Tyler Bates or someone and you're like oh <laughs> gross like well won't be tuned in for that one like, I mean those are basically the guys who are working it's like Hans Zimmer, Tyler Bates uh, Bear McCreary right these are the names that I see like on every damn movie it's like those Carter are the- Burwell he's the worst one is he still oh, around he's still yeah he's, he does Coen Brothers stuff mm. oh okay all right. Yeah. He did the really abysmal True Grit score. Ugh. Oh, I, like I want to hear more. I want to hear more from, and her name escapes me now. The one that did Joker. What is her name? Oh yeah. 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 I can't I, I remember, remember but yeah. It. I'll Google it. But I want to hear more from her. That score was. Well, that's like this uh, kind it's of fucking amazing. Yeah, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> it's <She's> Hilder. <laughs> we just call her Hilder. Yeah. <laughs> that's as far as we're going yeah, cause she's Swedish <laughs> she's got some of that black metal in her blood I think she's uh, got some of that um, uh, what's his name who passed away yeah um, I, that's who I was thinking of right the guy who did uh, she, Mandy she got some uh, yeah and who uh, did Sicario Mandy and, uh, Sicario yeah yeah yeah, yeah she's I, awesome I actually think Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do really good scores too yeah, yeah I like them too sure. but I mean these guys are all kind of uh, 
Oh, that's uh, Johan Johansson was uh, the yeah, Sicario yeah. Mandy guy. Um, but they all do like these kind of tonal uh, things and not like big full orchestra stuff like, uh, well, I don't even know. I mean, Hans Zimmer is doing orchestral stuff, but there's a lot of like electronica yeah. and stuff like that in his yeah. uh, in his stuff. Um, all right. So in the end of the movie, uh, you know, I mean, what's the um, I guess we already talked about what the dynamic is. And we know that the good guys are going to save the day, right, by blasting the bad guy out the back of the train. There's a decoupling of the cars. And then- mm-hmm. uh, John Woo actually wanted Christian Slater's character to die in this, but he was outvoted. <laughs> yeah, because I think I think more people should have died. More main characters should have died. A lot of people died. There was one guy who got hit by uh, helicopter blades, which I was actually surprised. That was cool. As they take the helicopter flying alongside, so there's people up on top of the helicopter, and they take the chopper, like the blades, right along the top of the, uh, they're able to keep it level on top of the the train cars. Hit that one guy. I thought it was going to be more graphic than it was, but he just kind of gets split open a little bit. I mean, but just can you imagine that? Just hitting hitting with a blade. It's like, boom. It was still a nice surprise. Yeah. I think yeah. that was probably yeah. the goriest thing that happened in this movie, right? Yeah, maybe there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of bullet dancing in this movie, which is the uh, yeah. The, oh, 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 oh. As they're getting pelted by a thousand rounds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. the armor said that they they shot about sixty thousand rounds in this movie. Damn. Yeah, That's a lot. <laughs> is I there? They should have. Well, I was going to say they should have shot a few more at the good guys because. They were shooting a lot in this movie, just not when they, you know, could have stopped the whole thing from happening. The bad guys, I mean, the the, yeah. the henchmen are not very good in this movie, but you know, yeah. what are you going to do? Now, here's, a, here's a question for you. So, John Travolta was given the choice of which character he wanted to play, Hale or Deacon, and he went with Deacon. Do you think that was the right choice for him? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think that this movie would have been... As well, how different do you think it would have been if he had chosen Hale? Like it would have been boring. It depends on who you got as the bad guy. I mean, what you put like Bruce Willis in that part or something. I actually thought you could put Bruce Willis, uh, maybe a younger Bruce Willis as uh, the Christian Slater part. Mm -hmm. I don't think Christian Slater could have carried that role, honestly. No. No, I, I think if Travolta had picked the good guy, I don't think they would have gone with Christian Slater for the bad guy. I think they would have gone with someone else. Yeah, yeah. Christian Slater's too short. You can't just be a short. <laughs> I don't even guy. know if I like <laughs> Christian shocking. Slater for the part that he played. I mean, it's like he's in it because he's a star name, but it's like, I don't know. I, I just never really believed him, you know. Can we can we trade him off with Frank Whaley? Yeah. No, that'd be sure, even worse. Yeah. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Frank Whaley, action star. Yeah, how come that never happened? How come we never got Frank Whaley, <laughs> well, I mean, star? For the reasons you said, oh, come on. <laughs> That's why. What was the... Was he in a movie, was it Career Opportunities with Jennifer Connelly? Were they stuck in a shopping mall or something? What am I thinking of? I think so. Frank Whaley, of course, is from The Doors. I was going to say, we don't, yeah, I don't know if we have the time to go over Frank Whaley's... Okay. filmography it's quite extensive was he swimming with sharks yes okay there you go uh okay listener well i tell you what we've been hedging our bets on whether or not we would recommend that you watch broken arrow uh but we're going to tell you we're going to go around the room and uh let you we're going to review the movie and let you know what we thought of it 
But first, you're going to have to bear with us. We're going to read some of your mail. And to do that, we're going to need the help of our mailman. And his name is Igor. Bring us the mail. Masters, masters, the mail. I've got the mail. So many letters. Our followers are rising, rising. Why, thank you, Igor. He's got a little turtleneck on, too. <laughs> He's just trying to hide his uh, leaking scabs. It's really the only reason. Whatever works. He's taken up chain smoking because of this movie, though. <laughs> I mean, come on. Travolta makes it look cool. He really does. Like, yeah. just, you just got to like spread your fingers out as far as you can. I mean, I would say that. like his whole career has been making smoking look cool, pretty much. Yeah. It does Ain't make it look cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that's a cigarette commercial right there. Ain't it cool? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we should probably let the good folks at home know how they can get a hold of us uh, so they can write in. We'll read your comments on the air. All you got to do is follow along on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Saturday Freak Show. Or Twitter. At Sat Freak Show. You can write in by email. Saturday Night Freak Show at Yahoo.com. Or follow along on Twitter at Saturday Night Freak freak show travis legler writes in and says this movie broken arrow is a ton of fun it's classic 90s cheeseball action john travolta is a blast in this movie and the best part of it he sums up the fun of the movie with the quote i said god damn what a rush <laughs> that's true he says the movie is kind of like face off another travolta and woo film just turn off your brain have a drink and enjoy the ride for sure uh, Nicholas Capriola says, absolute 90s trash and perfect for it. It's over the top action and cheesy one liners. It's 90s gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Rogers says, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Ain't it cool? He says, I love this <laughs> shitty movie. Samantha Mathis is adorable. She is. Yeah, she truly is. Chris Passion says, Samantha Mathis is almost perfect looking. Yeah, I like, I like her red hustling. And uh, Matthew Ola says, please compare if you like Samantha Mathis and Christian Slater's relationship better in Pump Up the Volume or here in Broken Arrow. I will uh, I will take you one more and say their best duo performance was in Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. <laughs> yeah. I knew that was going to come back. I would say, back. too. <laughs> Just give it to Robin Williams then. And Tim Curry. And great. Oh, this wow. is a sign, Colin. You should watch the movie. Wow. It's a good movie. I, will, I will say I just recently rewatched Pump Up the Volume. I watched that a lot when I was a kid and I rewatched it recently. I still love it. It's still great. But I mean, the dynamic in that it's pure teen angst. So it's so different than this movie. So it's like you can't even compare them. Like, you know. <laughs> I'll go with the Pump Up the Volume. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going, if you're just basing it on like their chemistry and stuff like pump up the volume is 10 times better obviously uh b movie poster vault writes in and says regarding broken arrow it's definitely one of the airtime hills of the unending career roller coaster that is john travolta it's big loud and endearingly dumb movie kind of has been eclipsed by face off in the pantheon of dumb travolta flicks but it's a good brain neutral movie yeah, I like good. endearingly dumb. That's yeah, I was like, that's a really good synopsis. I like that. <laughs> just want to pat it on its little head. Robin <laughs> Lineman Silverberg writes in and says, I saw this movie because there were very few disaster movies that try and destroy my hometown of Denver. 
which was kind of disappointed, though, that the geography of the train headed toward Denver was all wrong, which is probably why no one ever tries to blow up Colorado. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Uh, Michael, Michael, there's been the so <laughs> there have been so many attempts to blow up Colorado, but everyone just goes the, the wrong way. Is that, I mean, yeah. doesn't uh, Battlefield Earth take place in Denver? Uh, Does it? Yeah, is yeah, that where Johnny, is? what's his name, is is he from? Really? He's up yeah. in the hills above Denver, right? Am I wrong? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with Colorado. Sorry. Johnny, good boy, Tyler. Is that his name? <laughs> I like how you're, you're, you're familiar with. The movie, not Colorado. Yes. <laughs> Bravo. Sorry, I'm not familiar with Colorado. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to slip that into conversations. No matter what. It's like, sorry, I'm not familiar with Colorado. Walk away. <laughs> Mountains. Mountains, yeah. Uh, Michael Whitaker says, in a surprising bit of coincidence to the state of the world today, I actually saw this movie at a drive-in theater. And you know what? I kind of liked it. I don't remember it being batshit nuts like a Michael Bay film, but it's definitely an over-the-top 90s action thriller. I also saw the drive-in. Amazing. It was fun. It was a fun one to see in the drive-in for sure. Why is this not being done with like a, a double feature of face-off as like a drive-in feature? It really should be. Mm-hmm. Too much woo. Never too much. That, would, that, would that be the woo-woo double feature? Yeah. <laughs> The perfect amount of woo. <laughs> the perfect. This is. We should set this up just based on these slogans alone. Yeah. <laughs> Only uh, at cool movie theaters do they do stuff like that. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, about last week's ma- movie, which was Pet Cemetery Two, C.J. Lewis writes in and says, "Church was." I got to count this. He's got the greater than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times greater than Zoe. No one's disagreeing. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Uh, Alex Nash says, this one is a Halloween favorite of mine since I was a kid. I think it walks that fine line of cheesiness and horror brilliantly. And come on, who doesn't want to see Mr. Krabs as a zombie drooling mashed potatoes while laughing maniacally and keep up the awesome work? I forgot Clancy Brown was the voice of Mr. Krabs. Yeah. That's funny. It kind of puts it in a whole new light, you know? God damn it. I wish I'd known that while I was watching the movie. I actually knew that, too. Like, I haven't watched SpongeBob, but I saw he was on uh, Leonard Malton has a podcast, and they talked to Clancy Brown. You should listen to it if you like his stuff. SpongeBob's fucking hilarious. He's probably made more money from SpongeBob than from anything else he's ever been. Oh, absolutely. Because he was on every episode of SpongeBob. In the movies, yeah. Yeah. He's fucking SpongeBob Rich, man. For sure. Oh, wait. Before we jump to Pet Cemetery 2 again, or no, that was Pet Cemetery 2, but uh, Neil Gums wrote in about Broken Arrow and said, This is jumbled in my mind with executive decision, broken decision, or executive arrow, or whatever. <laughs> it's. It's so funny. Executive decision is like a running joke in my house because when I was younger, my dad just randomly came home with like 15 DVDs that he got like in a bin or something. That's what dads do. Yeah. And a couple of them he picked up was like the Passion of the Christ, Tin Cup, and Executive Decision. And it's just been a running joke in my house for years. (laughs) Like, what do you want to watch? Tin Cup? Executive Decision? (laughs) (laughs) It was a running joke around this podcast for a while, too. I forget why, though. We kept bringing up an executive decision. Probably around Steven Seagal for some reason. Yeah. How come John Woo never did a Steven Seagal movie? We will never have the pleasure of knowing what that could have been like. Uh, Says you. (laughs) 
Well, oh, I mean, John Claude Van Damme. What um, uh, about the previous week's movie, The Beast Must Die? Uh, Nelson Nascimento says, I watched this movie along with Devil Dog, The Hound of Hell, constantly as it always seemed to be on TV during the 1980s. Pretty much like a comfortable slipper as I listened to the podcast and the discussion of the candle and the silver test. I couldn't help but think if this movie was in any way partially responsible for Carpenter's The Thing. But I think The Thing was based on who goes there. The, 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 um, I assume the blood test came from that. I don't know. I don't know. Good question. Steven. Yeah. Steven Lepitak says, thanks for the shout out, Internet Radio Superstars. It was a nice surprise. I loved hearing your views on The Beast Must Die, which is better than its reputation suggests, apart from the dog costume. In an attempt to make Peter Cushing your most featured actor, can I recommend you try his Nazi zombie movie, Shockwaves, which was released the same year as Star Wars. It'll give you a lot to talk about. And, uh, he also wonders who's looking after Igor in lockdown and says Haunted Honeymoon is another werewolf who done it uh, that we should check out. I have seen Shockwaves. Uh, I've seen Haunted Honeymoon. Oh, there you go. All right. Uh, Peter Gatt says, uh, I always think of Michael Gambon from The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Michael Gambon is also in The Beast Must Die. And a blast from the past about our long ago forgotten episode beyond the black rainbow gilbert ornelius says one of my favorite movies ever i heard about it years before it came out i tried to watch it in theaters but nothing nowhere near me so i finally got it on blu-ray a bit after its release and i was not let down you can listen to our beyond the black rainbow movie review by going back through your catalog you could. Wherever you found us. Yeah, you if, you want to, if you want to hear anger. Yeah. Anger directed at me because I loved it. There you go. Spoiled it. There it is. All right. Now we're going to go around uh, the Colin, room. Colin, that's so against you. And we're G- giving out. away the ending. <laughs> we're going to uh, find out what the special secret ending, the twist ending to this episode is as we direct all of our anger at Michaela. <laughs> uh, Michaela, what did you think? about tonight's movie broken arrow or what do they call it um uh what was <laughs> it executive error empty quiver what do you empty think about quiver. empty quiver um i i think i have a very high threshold of tolerance for john travolta so obviously i'm working with that bias going into this um however i think john woo knows how to like unleash him in the right way uh, we had a discussion while we were watching this about is John Travolta a good actor or not? And we kind of landed on like, de- Sean, I think you said it best when you said it depends on what you want out of him. Yeah. And I think that's it for sure. I do think like the more recent stuff I've seen from Travolta, the problem is not that he's not committing. It's that he's committing to the wrong project. Maybe, you know, um, like with Gotti, for example, like he's giving 110%, but it's a movie directed by <laughs> Eve Montrush. Right, but it's oh, Gotti. Yeah. He's committing to a terrible project. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, we also talked about that he, it seems like he gets miscast a lot too, which, yeah. you know, I think that's a big problem. Um, in this movie, I love the mustache twirling cartoon villainy. Like the only thing he was missing was like tying a damsel in distress to the railroad tracks, man. Like that was <laughs> the only thing he was missing. It was delightful. It was fun. Endearingly dumb is a great way to put it. I mm-hmm. think that, like, you're not going to lose anything by watching this movie. 
there are definitely way dumber, way worse action movies you can watch. So definitely recommend Broken Arrow. Sean, what did you think? Um, uh, I, I don't know if I can give uh, uh, an unbiased review of this. I've seen this movie a lot. Um, I've watched it uh, since it came out. Um, I watched it a lot as a kid. I've watched it uh, a lot as an adult. Um, so I don't know if it's trash. I don't know if it's bad. Uh, all I know is I like it. What's 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 this saying? I don't know, I don't know what art is, but I know what I like. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like this. Um, so uh, uh, I definitely recommend Broken Arrow. I love uh, uh, Travolta, like you said, mustache twirling. I like him going over the top as a villain. I think he's great at it, legitimately. Um, and he's able to... Um, and like you said, that's what he does. Like he, Travolta will commit. Um, what the rest of the movie is doing around him kind of depends on how that performance is taken. Um, but I think it fits uh, very well in this movie. Um, uh, Christian Slater is kind of a, uh, what do I want to call him? He's kind of not stiff, but he is the opposite of Travolta's over the topness. I described so him as having old, like Michael J. Fox's older, cooler brother energy. Yeah, like you need more of a leather jacket to pull that off. I think. Yeah, or like, to smoke or something. But yeah, he thinks he's cooler than he is. You know. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll give you that. Know, you know, I think it is a in a big part of it is like I, I remember in um in Pump Up the Volume we see him very passionate. In this, he's not as excitable as someone in that situation maybe should be. He's very calm for everything that's happening. Yeah, he's like, very uh, in control. Yeah, my, my best friend and partner just ejected me out of a plane, but, you know, I'm just going to pick up, pick myself up. Walk the, through mission. The, the mission. Right. Yeah. I, I, get, I guess you got to be for a guy who, like I said before, for people who do this, you know, flying planes with nukes and all that stuff, you got to have some, like, Unless you're John Travolta, you gotta have some element of control and you know staying yeah. calm under I mean, pressure. Maybe, I guess. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's a realistic military focus. I don't know, but it's just maybe. Just Who knows? Animated at all? No, he's not. But well, I mean, what you're coming for is you're coming for John Travolta being the bad guy, and he does that very well in this movie. Uh, I still find this movie uh, immensely entertaining. Um, it does feel like, like we said, like John Woo likes to let things breathe, and it looks like for the most part he was allowed to do that in this movie. So there's some. Um, uh, everything takes its time in this movie um, but there's enough going on where you're just like okay that's fine because uh, then you know we got nukes blasting through bad guys and and uh, uh, one liners all over the place so I had a good time with it I still have a good time with this movie uh, I recommend Broken Arrow Colin what'd you think well I have an interesting perspective of uh, there's like 90s me and today me I haven't seen this in 14 years I saw it in the theater and my expectations were different because you know, I was in the cult of Wu. I mean, John Wu was, you know, a godlike figure who had, uh, you know, almost like reinvented what action movies are and made them exciting again. And kind of, maybe, you know, it was like the way that I felt about horror movies or, you know, when I saw um, Insidious or something like that, when James Wan was like, oh, you figured out how to make them scary again. It's like John Wu had figured out how to make action movies interesting again and then so i went into it like um i actually kind of i dug hard target but it felt kind of uh compromised i guess it didn't feel you know 100 percent woo and i'm like well let's see what he does this was his next movie i think right after hard target this is mm-hmm. the bigger one you know i mean he had access to uh 
all these um, actors, the talent pool, and you know the resources of Fox, and you know all that. Although I think Hard Target was put out by Universal, but um, and so I was disappointed uh, the first time. You know when I watched it, I was like, because I went, I went into it for the woo. And I felt like I didn't really get the woo. Now, fourteen years later, didn't get the I didn't get wooed by the movie. Um, fourteen years later, I'm watching, and so as it started, and I, you know, you kind of get into it, and like, oh, this is generic and kind of like any other '90s action movie. And then it's like, okay, well, what's John Travolta doing here? And like, as the movie went on, it was like, okay, he's the guy to watch in this movie because you know he's not in another movie, you know. He's not doing um, like the um, Alan Rickman in in uh, uh, Robin Hood, right? Where it's like right. that guy's in a different movie than everybody else around <laughs> him, and he's standing out yeah. because of it. It's not like that. I mean, it's suited, I guess, to the tone of this movie. And you have Slater. Um, you know, I mean, was this at the peak of uh, of the Christian Slater experience? I mean, I don't know. I mean. Where did it go from here? I'm not even entirely he's, sure. He's, but he's all over the place. I don't know. Yeah, mobsters, right? When he got mobsters, that was 19. No, that was before that. It was Brat Pack and Young Guns Two and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's kind of he's morphing into an adult here and having an adult action role. Um, I don't know. He was okay. Uh, Samantha Mathis is okay. She, I mean, the, maybe better than okay because of the stuff that they're doing. You know, together. There's a lot of choreography and uh, and action. Um, and I actually did this time around because there has been, it's been so long since I've seen a John Woo movie that I actually kind of felt the presence of John Woo, especially toward the, the end of the movie. Um, I'm like, he's hanging here and doing these little character bits, um, that don't, that feel idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic to the movie. And I'm like, that's John Woo. So, um, yeah, I guess I would give it, um. It's better than it's average to better than average action, a big Hollywood action movie from this period. It's better than Con Air. That's right. I liked it better than Con Air. What would it have been like if Nicolas Cage played the John Travolta part? We'll never know. Holly, what'd you think of Broken Arrow? Um, well, I don't think you'll be surprised by my opinion of Broken Arrow. I really enjoy this movie. It, I, I, I like, like Sean was saying, I've seen this a lot. I've watched this a lot growing up. I haven't actually watched it a lot in the last like ten years, um, but I watched a lot growing up to remember the movie. Um, but yeah, you're not watching it for Christian Slater. You are watching it for John Travolta hamming it up, being a crazy mustache twirling villain. And I love every second of it. I love the cheesy one-liners. It's got enough explosions and enough going on that it's giving me what I need from a 90s action movie. And I, I think it's so much fun. Um, I, I uh, Like we said earlier, I appreciate that they don't focus on the romance part of it. Um, I know that we've seen a lot of what we get from this movie, like we already saw a lot of it in speed. Um, there's a lot of similarities there that maybe speed did better, but there's just a ridiculous over the topness about it that I love. And it plays to what I want from a crazy nineties action movie. So yeah, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. Um, I've often thought, I've often wondered how it would have been different with a different leading lady, because I don't know that there was many uh, leading men, for alternatives for this movie, but I know that some of the alternatives for Samantha Mathis were Halle Berry, 
Lauren Holly, Jennifer Aniston, and Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt turned it down so she could do Twister, and I am not mad at her for that because I fucking love Twister. Um, and I'm actually upset because I read that Halle Berry said in an interview before that they told her she couldn't have the part because it wasn't realistic to have a black park ranger. And that makes me so angry. In 1996? I, in 1996, I was so upset by that. And I was like, <sighs> so I'm so disappointed she, to hear that. I'm so fucking disappointed to hear that. I was going to say, what year was Swordfish when she, did she do that instead? I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. But that made me sad. Um, I, but it just made me think about like how, if the movie would have been any different with a different leading lady. I don't think it would have. I think it I think the characters still would have been played well by any of those women. So I think it would have been fine. Um, and it just brought me back to this movie is John Travolta as the villain. That's why we come for it. And it's satisfying in that aspect. And I get what I want from it. I still love it. I definitely recommend it. I think it's still fun. It holds up for me. And I think it holds up for probably most people. Cause it's a good time. So yeah, broken arrow. Definitely recommend all right, well, that means it's Freak Show approved. You got to go watch Broken Arrow. Break out your copy. Watch it tonight or tomorrow. Next week, we are going to be watching. Next week? A mo- oh, 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 shit. Yeah, next week. It's next week. I'm, I'm told that it's our a big anniversary episode. That's right. It snuck right up on us. I mean, it really it feels- did because we, we were planning for it for months and then we're just like, hey, it's, it's next it's week. It's here. Well, it was it's a big here. deal. We hit 300 episodes, but now apparently we've hit 400 episodes. Jesus. 400. That's insane. That came quick. 300 and the people under the stairs feels like it was five months ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Is, it goes quick. This isn't like other podcasts where it's like episode four twelve. No, no, no. There's a season four episode twelve. This is four hundred. <laughs> That's insane. Consecutive weeks. Yeah. yeah. So this Jesus. Is going on since yeah, like, I forgot what, about that. We've never missed a week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. So there you go. It's uh, next week. We're watching the movie four hundred. No, we're not. We're watching a movie that's chosen by... <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to by Michaela, but if she picks the 400 blows, we're going to have problems. <laughs> uh, so what will we be watching next week? Michaela, 400th episode. Well, I feel a lot of pressure for this no matter what be I good. <laughs> but, I mean, The People Under the Stairs was not good, so I oh, feel like there's the bar, Let's make right? up for it, yeah. 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 Um, it well, three of us are going to be happy. One of us is not because we're going to do an anniversary watch of Ghost from 1990. <laughs> <laughs> what has happened to the Saturday Night Freak Show? First of all, it's Broken Arrow, then it's Ghost. It's a good thing I didn't throw that copy away that I was uh, squirreled away and have still sealed because I'm <laughs> like, one day they're going to gonna fucking do it to me. You got to watch Ghost. So there you go. 400 episodes. And it's all led to ghosts. It's all coming to ghosts. Yep. I mean, hey, it's, we, it's, Colin, it's been Home coming Alone's for a while. Been on this show. What's it? Home Alone has been on this show. I know. Kind it's of, Home Alone kind of and Ghosts. That's where we're at. We, we survived. Hook, we I mean, survived Home Alone. We yep. survived. Yeah. Woody Allen movies. Okay, Lister, as long we hope you're coming along for the ride. I mean, we <laughs> we know you want to hear about ghosts. We'll make it fun. <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. Right I, in. I right in with all your yeah. Okay, well, that's next week on the Saturday Night Freak Show. And until then, ladies and germs, the basement is going dark.